Well, if you're just joining us or, you know, you, you've been here with us a while, you know we're in a series called Reflections, and we'll be finishing up this series next week. So I know we're all looking forward to uh, maybe moving on to something else, but I really think this has been a helpful series. And in this, we've been able to look at how the Bible is all about Jesus, right? I mean, we look at the New Testament and we know it's about Jesus, but we look at the Old Testament too, and I want us to really understand and get a grasp on this, that the Bible from beginning to end is all about Jesus. Um, as we open up our Old Testament, it looks forward to the cross and to the resurrection. And as we open up our New Testament, it's always, always looking back to the cross, right? So what does this do for us? Why did I want to do um, a series like this? Well, look, it increases our confidence in the Bible. Um, this is not just an ordinary book, right? I believe it's God's word uh, written to us, given to us for many reasons. Uh, it also gives us confidence in our salvation, assurance, right? I know we go through this life and we doubt, we question, we go through seasons and we think, well, is God really with me? Does God really love me? Does God have me and hold me? Um, something like this strengthens our faith. It really does. So last week we looked at the Old Testament tabernacle and how that was God's presence among his people. And we, we linked the tabernacle to Jesus, right? We talked about how Jesus is the ultimate display of God's presence among his people. And not just certain people, not just the leaders, not just you know the patriarchs. But all people, Jesus came and he dwelt and he lived and he interacted and he healed and he spoke to all people, right? Um, today I want us to look at something related to the activity around the tabernacle and that is the priesthood, the priesthood. Um, there was a guy who had been drinking and he staggered into a Catholic church. So just picture this with me, okay? And he goes into the confessional booth and he he sits down and he doesn't say anything he just sits there and so the priest is wondering well what's this guy doing you know so he <clears throat> you know he does that <clears throat> a couple times to try to get his attention and still the guy just sits there and says nothing and so next he goes and he beats on the wall and he you know beats pretty hard and the the guy in the confessional booth said stop that he said there's no toilet paper over here either Should have worked on that a little bit, I guess. <laughs> so today we're going to be looking at the priesthood. <laughs> Let's move on. The punchline has already taken place, so I'm sorry. But when I mention priest to you, a lot of things come to our minds. I mean, a whole lot of different things. Uh, negative thoughts, right? We might not have a clue what priest means. Maybe what we've seen on TV and, and movies and things like that. So I want to talk about today who were the priests and what was their purpose. So I want us to go through two things regarding the Old Testament priesthood. And you can write these, these uh, sections down. First of all, priests were set apart to serve God. Priests were set apart to serve God. This is very important. 
the priesthood wasn't man's idea. Right? They didn't come along and say, this is something we need to do or we want to do for ourselves. This was God's idea, Exodus 29, 44. And we looked at this last week. And so God did this at the same time. So I will consecrate, and we talked about how that it means set aside for a special purpose. I will consecrate the tent of meeting and the altar and will consecrate Aaron and his sons to serve me as priests. So they were servants of God. And just a few of the things that the priests were assigned to do were uh, taking care of the tabernacle and its furnishings. Remember we talked about the tabernacle being a, a tent, a really special tent, a holy tent, and it had really nice furnishings on the inside. And the priests were responsible for taking care of all that. They handled all the sacred duties within the tabernacle. And when I mean sacred, I mean sacred. Like uh, God didn't mess around with this. You know, if it was mishandled in any way at all, the person died. So it was very sacred. The priests alone were responsible for handling the duties. They, they were responsible for putting up the tabernacle and taking it down. Remember, we talked about how this was mobile and how they were on a journey to the promised land. The priests were the ones to uh, take up and set up and take down the tent. And they handled the law as well. So as they moved, you know, they, they handled the law and they instructed the people whenever God would tell them something. Then they also collected money on behalf of the people. I know that's strange. We don't think about that really. But yeah, the people were instructed to bring an offering to the tabernacle along with their sacrifice. And that was mandatory. You know, imagine having to come in here and before you could even, you know, come through the doors, we're saying you got to pay to get in. You know, that's kind of like the way it was. The priests were responsible for that. So they were, they were set aside, set apart by who? By God to be special servants of him. Secondly, priests were mediators between God and man. They were mediators between God and man. They were the middle men okay God was with the people we talked about this in the tabernacle God was with them but where was he in the, in the tent inside the tent only only the priest could be in there okay they could only be inside the tabernacle the people really couldn't come close so the people served as the mediators between God and man and I have a little diagram here hopefully you can see that so you have God and you have man, and the priests were kind of the, the, middle, the middle people. So if man wanted to, to go to God, they had to, to go to the priest. And if God had something to give to man, you know, he went, he went through the priest that way. I had a job in insurance a while back, and I, I really liked it. I enjoyed it. Um, and uh, I sort of had this same role as a mediator. I worked for and was employed by the company. I represented the insurance company, but I was an insurance agent to the person. And really, I represented the person to the company. I, I really liked doing that, you know, having the, the person's best interest in mind and helping them find the right, uh, you know, insurance and, and things like that. So I was sort of the middle person in this. So I want to discuss a couple of things about priests being mediators because this is so important. And it's not on the screen, so you'll just have to pay close attention. First of all, priest represented God to the people. So that's that part of the mediator. They represented God to the people. Look at Exodus 28 too. 
Make sacred garments. This is the Lord speaking to Moses. Make sacred garments for your brother Aaron to give him dignity and honor. So I have another slide here to show you this, these sacred garments. Wow. You know, Kenny Rogers meets Brady Crocker there. I see why they're bad all the time, don't you? But no, we look at that and it's like, uh, whoa, you know, what is that? But look, in the day, this was awesome, right? This was, this was how you dressed up in the day compared to everybody else. But we don't have time to go into it this morning, but if you want to read it on your own, every inch of this wardrobe had a meaning and had purpose. And uh, just truly amazing. And I just want to mention the breastplate there, if you can see it. Twelve stones on it, twelve different Types of stones, 12 different colors representing the 12 tribes of Israel in its entirety. So get this, when God would give the priest something to give to the people, look, they would go out and say, look, on behalf of God, this is for everyone. This is for you. We represent God, and he has your best interest over his heart, right? So very, very important. Why, would, why dress up like this? You know, why this type, of, this type of outfit? Well, why do we dress up? You know, we, we want to make an impression, don't we? Whether you've got something formal to go to or a, an interview or something along those lines, you want to make an impression. And so they needed to be seen as special. They needed to look so much different than everybody else. Why? Because they represented God. And so he wanted these guys to be viewed with what? Dignity and honor because they represented him to the people. Okay? But they also represented the people to God. Okay? They represented the people before God. And the obvious and most important way that they did this was through sacrifices. Now, this is when we think of Old Testament priests, this is really what we think about as sacrifices. When sins were committed, the people or the persons who committed the sin was to bring his offering to the priest. And the priest would kill the offering and they would offer the blood to the Lord on behalf of the person. I know we, when you look at that and we say, you know, how, you know, how bad that is and how grotesque that is. And really, I, if, if you do your research on this, it was done humanely. Um, but it shows you the seriousness of sin, right? Uh, the blood that was shed. But this was their primary responsibility, the priesthood. This is what they did primarily was to sacrifice, make sacrifices on behalf of the people and then offer the blood before the Lord. Look at Numbers 18, verse 1. How would you like for that to be your job, by the way? All right. Be uh, amazing. The Lord said to Aaron, you, your sons, and your family are to bear the responsibility. Just think about that language for a minute. Bear the responsibility for offenses connected with the sanctuary, and you and your sons alone are to bear the responsibility for offenses connected with with the priesthood. So everybody, all the offenses, the priests were to bear the burden. Wow. They were to bear the responsibility for all sin, all people within the sanctuary, within the priesthood, everybody. 
they were held responsible for the people and for themselves. Can you, can you just imagine the responsibility of this? When God singles you out and says you are responsible for the sins of the people, for handling that, for taking care of that, for making sure that's handled properly. Just imagine the pressure of that, the seriousness of that. As a matter of fact, this is given to Aaron, and two of Aaron's sons died in this process because they didn't take it seriously. They were killed immediately. The holiness of God in this process was a big deal. And only what he had consecrated and only his ways and only what he had said could represent him and come before him could in the way that it had to be done. I mean, otherwise it wouldn't work. Otherwise the person died. So it was a tremendous responsibility to be a priest. They were special servants to God. They were also consecrated. They were set apart by God to be mediators between God and man. So that's, that is a snapshot of the priesthood. Now, in our series, we've been relating all these things back to Jesus. Well, how, how does the priesthood relate to Jesus? Well, Jesus is the great high priest. I want you to write that down. Jesus is the great high priest. There were many priests. As a matter of fact, the entire tribe of Levi were, were in the priesthood. And you can go back in numbers and count all of them, but there were thousands. Okay, There were many, many priests, but interestingly, there was only one high priest at a time. Just one out of all of them. And only the high priest could go before God, and only the high priest could atone for the sins of the people. Only the high priest so this, just think about it with me. This whole idea of the priesthood, especially the high priest, it just obviously all points to Jesus. All of it. All of it from beginning to end. He perfectly fulfills the role of a high priest. Now why do we say the great high priest? Why do, why do I say the great high priest in this? Well, this is not on the screen either, but I just want you to listen. Just think about this. Just like we talked about uh, the priest just a second ago. He is the perfect mediator between God and man. He is the perfect mediator between God and man. Think about this. Un unlike the Old Testament priests who were only human, Jesus was fully human and fully God. The Bible refers to Jesus as both the Son of God and the Son of Man. You ever thought about why that is? It's because he's the perfect mediator between God and man. That's why Jesus became a man, so he could perfectly represent us to God. Hebrews 2.17, look at this. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest. Look at the language here. So we talked about priests being servants and priests being Mediators, look at this, in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. You see the two roles there? It's clear. It's so clear. Jesus perfectly represents God to us and us to God. He does it perfectly. He is the perfect mediator. Next, his term never ends. 
His term never ends. The high priest, they were on this, they would rotate, right? And they would pass away. They would die. And so the next one would come in. There was constant turnover in the priesthood, constantly. Not with Jesus. Why? Because his term never ends. He's alive and will always be alive. Hebrews 7, 23. Now there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. That's amazing, isn't it? He has a permanent priesthood. The priesthood, the perfect priesthood of Jesus never ends. We would love to have a perfect president, wouldn't we? With a term that never ended, right? Um, Jesus's rule and reign and term is like that. It never ends. And the scripture goes on to say after this, after verse 24, that he lives to always intercede for us. Isn't that great? Isn't that good? So his term never ends. Then, this is very important, he gave the greatest sacrifice. When you think about the primary role of a priest in giving sacrifices, he, Jesus gave the greatest sacrifice and the Old Testament priests, they perform these sacrifices daily, M- many times throughout the day. It was a necessary part of their service, and they did this for all people. But as we learned earlier, they also had to do it for themselves. Why? They were people. They were sinners. They were human. They sinned too. And, and when they sinned, God knew that they would sin. So he built in a special process for them to be forgiven as well. And they had to do this first. They had, to, they had to cleanse themselves first. They had to make an offering themselves first before they could do it for anybody else. So how was Jesus greater? Just think about this. Everything you know about Jesus, his life, how was it? Perfect, sinless, spotless. And when we think about it this way, he didn't have to give a sacrifice for himself. He didn't have to do that, but he did it anyway. And when he did, he didn't just give something else. He gave himself. He gave his own life. You know, he was greater because he gave the greatest sacrifice. Hebrews 7, 27. Unlike the other high priests... He does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. You see that? He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. You know, he was the perfect sacrifice. He gave the greatest sacrifice when he gave his own life. As a matter of fact, it was so great, it was so perfect that once it was done, no more sacrifices were needed for anyone It completely satisfied the Father. And it dealt with sin once and for all. And when it says all time there, that means all time. All time. And for all people, right, that would believe in Jesus. For every single person in the world. Think about that. This one sacrifice, this perfect sacrifice dealt with sin for the entire world. Forever. Truly amazing. 
Jesus is the great high priest. The entire priesthood pointed to him. And ultimately, just like we talked about last week, he completed the priesthood. When we talk about Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament, well, he completed the priesthood. It ends and is perfected in him. So what does that mean for us? Well, when you think about it, it, really, it means we're forgiven, which is great. That's a great and amazing, remarkable truth for us to understand. But I, I want to talk about something else this morning. And it's such an important truth. So it means we're forgiven, but it also means this. And I want you to write this down. We have been given access to God. We have been given access to God. Direct access. Now let's talk about this just for a minute because this is what I kept thinking about with this message. This simple thing right here. And how sometimes we get used to this. And we you know, really need to be amazed by this truth about what took place. Through Jesus, we can meet with God. That's amazing. Jesus provided that access to everyone who believes in him. As a matter of fact, Jesus says, I am the way. No man comes to the Father except through me, right? He is the way. He has given access to God. Matthew 27, verse 50. This is, um, this is a popular section of Scripture here because it's talking about the cross and, and Jesus' death. Verse 50. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. What happened there? He died. When he gave up his spirit, that's what it's talking about. He died. And then look at the very next three words. When? At that moment. At what moment? At his death. You see, at his death, the curtain of the temple, this big curtain separating everything else from God's presence was torn from top to bottom, torn in two. When? At that moment, at the moment of Christ's death. Why did that happen? It was the perfect sacrifice. The perfect life was sacrificed and given to the Lord and God almighty God accepted that sacrifice and ripped the curtain saying you now have access to God that's truly amazing the perfect sacrifice had been given this is something that we don't understand and we need to before this the people could not come to God You could not come to God before this took place. They had to go through a priest to get to God. So because of what Jesus, the great high priest, did for us, we can now go to God anytime. Anytime. Do you realize that? You know, it's almost like he made us priests. That's exactly what he did. When you place your faith in Jesus, you are welcomed into the priesthood of God. You don't believe me? First Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen people. You see, set aside, consecrated, sacred, set apart. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light man we are in God's presence if you believe in Jesus 
you have access to the Father. Direct access. You see, through Jesus, you have been given the privilege of the priesthood. What's the privilege? Right? We talked about all that stuff that's a big responsibility. It's scary. It's intimidating. What's the privilege? You go before God. You get to go before Almighty God. You have been chosen. You have been set aside. You have been made special because you have been given complete access to God. Only special people get access to God. You know, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you are. If you have placed your faith in Jesus, you have access to God. I know we come here and we say we want to worship God, we want to meet God. Look, you don't have to be in church to meet with God. I love the church. The church is so important. Sometimes we fail to realize how important it is. But look, God doesn't just show up here. It doesn't matter where you go. If you believe in Jesus, you can go to God right then and right there. Sure, God's everywhere. We talked about that last week. God is everywhere at all times. He's omnipresent. But you, individually, yourself, can go before the throne of God anytime. Why is that important? Because you just need to know that sometimes. Sometimes you're going to feel like you're all alone. Sometimes you may be in a hospital. Sometimes you may be on your deathbed. Sometimes you may be shut in. Look, we're all going to get old one day. There'll be a point in time where probably we'll be in a nursing home or something like that. You need to understand that no matter where you go, you have access to God. And we don't live the rest of our lives depressed and wondering if God gave up on us. No, you have access to God no matter where you go. You might... You might go to prison one day, right? Let's be honest. Let's be real. Is that off limits to God? Right? Is that beyond God's ability to show up in? It's not. It's not. And you need to understand this. You need to get this. Here's a question, and it's, it's personal. Are you living like you have direct access to God? Are you living like you have direct and complete access to God? Are you living like you do? Uh, a couple years ago, we bought Dollywood season tickets. And we love Dollywood. But you know what? We went twice. You know, that really didn't make a whole lot of sense. You know, we, we purchased these tickets thinking we would go a lot and thinking we would save a whole lot of money. And, and we, we didn't take advantage of, you know, what, of those tickets, of what we had purchased. Are you taking advantage of the amazing blessing that you've been given by Jesus? Are you letting it go to waste? Hebrews 4.16, excuse me. I love the language here because it gives us a truth, but then it also puts responsibility on us to do something about it. Let us then approach. Who's, who's that on? Me and you, right? Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Look, we don't have to be afraid to approach the throne of God. If you read the Old Testament, people were scared to death to get anywhere close. 
And so the writer here is, is really emphasizing, look, you don't have to be afraid. You can approach God's throne with confidence because of what Jesus did. We can be confident because of our great high priest who's still there, whose term never ends, who has a permanent priesthood, and we place our faith with, in him, we can boldly and confidently go before the throne of God. Amen? Man, that's so good. But you know, and I'm getting ready to close here. I think there's a deeper issue here. And this is why I wanted to bring this up this morning. I think many times we just leave God out of the picture. Like we, uh, we just live our lives without God, apart from God. And for, for many reasons, maybe we think we don't need him. Or maybe we just don't think about him. Right? Listen. Young person old person it doesn't matter who you are if you're a new believer or if you're a seasoned believer been a Christian since you were in elementary school it doesn't matter who you are one of the greatest lessons in all the world that you need to understand is that you need God You need God every day of your life, young or old. You need God. Jerry Bridges, uh, who was a missionary and worked with the navigator some, he's, he's got a quote here. He says, your worst days are never so bad that you were beyond the reach of God's grace. That's so true. But then he goes on to say, and your best days are never so good that you were beyond the need of God's grace. You need God, folks. We need God. Jesus himself in John 15, 5 said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Do we realize that? Or do we ignore that? Do we place too much confidence in our own strength, in our own abilities, in our own life that we fail to realize that we actually need God? Honestly, I think it comes down to our desire. And this is where I pray that God would change our hearts this morning. Desire. Do you desire to be with God? Last week we talked about God with us in the tabernacle. You know what this week is about? Us with God. It's, it's, it's reversed in how God longed to be with us, but do we desire to be with him? Psalm 42, verse 1. I want to end on this. I, I pray that this is our heart this morning. I pray that, I looked, I read this verse and I felt really convicted. You know, um, is this my heart's desire? Do I have this idea of God in my heart to where I need him this much? Look at this, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. Do we feel that way about God? Verse two, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. And then look at this, I read this and I'm thinking, well, what is he saying here? When can I go meet with God? 
This is a heart that is so longing for God. He's wanting to know when is the next opportunity. This is the person before Christ that is longing to be with God. And we have access to him any time. When can I go meet with God? Is that your prayer this morning? Is that the way you feel? If not, may God change that. May God change that in our lives and in our hearts. Jesus died so that we could have access to God the Father right now and forevermore. We place way too much emphasis on forevermore and forget about the right now. God wants to be with us now. Do you want to be with him? You should because you need him. Apart from him, you can do nothing. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the message today. Uh, just an amazing study, a lesson in the priesthood, but just a simple truth is that we can go to you anytime. Because of what Jesus, our great high priest, did through perfectly representing us and giving the perfect sacrifice, those who place their faith in Jesus can have direct access to God, not just for forever, not just for eternity, but for now, for right now. I pray for those that are struggling in a season, going through difficulty and hardship, maybe even doubt and discouragement. I pray that they would realize today that they don't have to do anything except cry out your name and you will hear them. That they could boldly and confidently approach the throne of grace and they will receive mercy and help in their time of need. Father, I pray for the one that doesn't know you today, that they would place their faith in your son, Jesus. And may their life be changed today and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen.